Welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. This is Amber Morin, your host. We are talking agribusiness, its hardships, its successes, and its emerging opportunities. Subscribe today to hear from leaders in the agriculture industry as they tackle challenges and provide you and your business with solutions. Welcome, everyone. Jason Kepler has joined me. And Jason has worked for the Natural Resources Conservation Service in Arizona for about 10 years now. Eight of those, he has served as the Financial Assistance Program Manager for the state. He currently oversees the implementation and management of the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, the Conservation Stewardship Program, and the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. Jason grew up farming and ranching in Western Nebraska and is proud to be a part of the fourth generation still actively engaged in the farming operation. After graduating from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, he worked for the state of Nebraska and then decided to take the move to NRCS in Arizona. Jason, welcome, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. So I kind of want to start with the purpose of the Natural Resources Conservation Service and for our audience, we'll try not to use the acronym NRCS. We'll do our best. And what kind of assistance programs that uh, the Natural Resource Conservation Service offers and how your role plays into that. So if you just kind of want to dive in, feel free to take it away. All right. Um, so with the Natural Resource Conservation Service, um, if anyone's not aware, we are a federal agency within the um, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and we really live and breathe by our motto of helping people to help the land. And one of the great ways that we do that is um, through a, a number of financial assistance programs. The two main ones that we really work through are um, Environmental Quality Incentives Program, also known as EQIP and the Conservation Stewardship Program, commonly known as CSP. With the EQIP, we can kind of think of that as more like the the basic form of conservation where we're working with farmers and ranchers. This is where we can really address more of the critical high-priority conservation issues, some of the more widespread issues. Uh, And then just generally the CSP or the Conservation Stewardship, that's geared more towards the people who they're already doing a pretty good job in maintaining the pretty or relatively high level of conservation but through that program we can work with them to kind of go to that next step and go above and beyond where where they're currently at and a lot of times our csp participants um they've already done work with us through equip and kind of got the ball rolling and then just kind of keep building up from there one other program that we kind of have that's start and take off. We do have a conservation easement program in the state called ASEP or the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program. So it's not my program, but just to generally say it it works to place conservation easement on private working lands in order to protect them from development and maintain that agriculture use on those lands. Those are the big three in Arizona right now. Um, But while we're talking on those real quick, I do want to mention the, the CRP or the Conservation Reserve Program. Traditionally, that's not been an active program here in the state, but due to some of the changes in the, the recent farm bill, likely that uh, it will be an option for, for the various farmers and ranchers in the state. And even though it is conservation-based and the Natural Resource Conservation Service generally sees those programs, that is a FSA or a farm service program or a farm service agency program. So folks can keep their eyes open for that, but just keep in mind that's with FSA and not NRCS. 
Great. Thank you for sharing that. So I understand that there are public comment periods that are closing on some of these programs. Can you touch base on what a public comment period is, why it's important, and what are some of the upcoming comment dates? Definitely. So as everyone's aware, we recently had the new new Farm Bill signed um, last year. And what the Farm Bill really does is that directs how us at NRCS and the other USDA agencies uh, really go about operating for the next few years. Typically, we will see a number of changes. Some are pretty significant, some are minor. But with those changes and being the federal government, we have to go through the federal rulemaking process in order to um, implement those changes and updates to all our various rules, regulations, and policies. So kind of a very basic overview, basically what happens is NRCS, we work with a number of internal policy experts and lawyers. Um, we do seek some outside consultation with the Office of Management and Budget. Sometimes we might even work directly with the Farm Bill authors. Some language wasn't quite very clear in the um, Farm Bill. But we'll go through all that and we'll draft new NRCS-specific rules based on what we yeah, what we received in the Farm Bill. So once we're pretty happy and feel we've got a, a, a good interpretation of the, the regulatory um, changes in the Farm Bill, we come up with a, a draft rule and we put that out for public comment. So that really gives uh, everyone a chance to say, hey, you know, I, I really like this or I feel like you got this completely wrong. And hopefully if they don't like what we did, they might give us some suggestions. But after that comment period ends, we go through, we review every single comment and um, our leadership, they'll determine if we need to make some uh, tweaks to those rules before, before we make them final. So right now, the majority of our programs are out for comment. I briefly mentioned um, the Conservation Reserve Program, FSA's program. That one is currently out and is accepting comments through February 4th. The Environmental Quality Incentives Program, um, that one is accepting comments until February 18th. And then the ASEP, the Ag Conservation Easement Program, that one is uh, open until March 6th for comments. The Conservation Stewardship Program, that one's just wrapping up. That was one of the first ones to get advertised. So anyone wants to you know, view the proposed rules or if they want to go and make comments, the way to do that is to go online to regulations.gov. And the easiest thing to do once you get there is to search for NRCS and then all the various rules and programs associated with us will show up. And and then just to kind of hit it home, if anyone wants to comment, that's the only way to make comments on the proposed rules is through regulations.gov. Thank you, Jason. I was just going to repeat that and have for the audience. So it's at regulations.gov. Go in and look up NRCS. Yep. Perfect. So now I'm going to jump to another question. Um, what are the, the five steps that a, a producer needs to do to really get assistance from any natural resource conservation service program? Okay. Well, well first up, I just want to make, make one thing very clear in case anyone has any doubt or doesn't quite understand. Mm -hmm. Everything we do here at the Natural Resource Conservation Service is voluntary. We are in no terms regulatory at all. Um, for us to do any action, you know, it, it always starts with a farmer or rancher coming in the door, having some discussions with us and, and really seeking out our help. You know, so we're not just going to show up at a farm or ranch and say, oh, hey, you need to address your soil erosion issue or whatever. That, that's not the business we're in. Um, so we're always we're, 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 we're voluntary. We're not regulatory. 
it's a common misconception. Um, so we always start our planning process with the discussion and usually a visit to the farmer ranch um, with that farmer rancher. And we really want to identify some problems and some uh, opportunities. And then we're gonna work with that farmer rancher to determine some objectives and priorities and put that into what we call a conservation plan, which really kind of outlines, okay, this might be some of the resource concerns we wanna focus on. And these are the ways we wanna do it with various conservation practices. So we will use that conservation plan as a basis uh, for an application to uh, apply for financial excuse me, our financial assistance programs. Mm -hmm. And then we always have the issue of we have more demand for funds than we have funds available. So we have to go through uh, an evaluation and ranking process. Um, but before we get too far into that, um, we group the applications with other like applications. Typically it's by land use and in kind of a geographical area. Okay. And so that way we have, you know, our, our range land op, um, applications are competing against other range land applica applications. And so like our range and crop won't be intermixed or competing um, in kind of that apples to oranges comparison. So we're kind of working on that in the background. And while we're doing that, our participants and applicants, they're working with the farm sister or the farm service agency to work on updating or initiating their various eligibilities, things like adjust, adjusted gross farm income and then like the farm and tract information. So that's one area where we use FSA's eligibility for the most part for our programs as well. Um, okay. So it's just kind of, we're, yeah, so they're not working with different different agencies doing totally different eligibilities. So we're doing it all, all together and, and sharing that information we will look at a couple different things that are specific to our programs. Like we'll look at the land and make sure that meets the land eligibility requirements and, and a couple other smaller um, program specific requirements. So if we're, we're still moving forward and then all the eligibilities are met, go through our ranking or assessment process to determine which applications to fund. So like I said, we always have more applications than funds available. Mm -hmm. So, we have this pretty clear um, assessment process to really determine the best projects that are going to provide us with the most conservation benefit. And so we'll just kind of start at the high end of those of that list and work our way down till we um, run out of, out of funds. And so then once we make our selections, we'll have a kind of a final meeting with that former rancher say, okay, this is what's in the plan. This is what we want to go forward on. Do we need to make any last minute tweaks? And then we'll go ahead and make the contract official. And then usually over the next two to four years, we go ahead and start to um, implement that contract. Fantastic, thanks for explaining that. I, you know, I recently had an interview with Brian Krentz, who is with the Arizona Association of Conservation Districts. Can you explain how NRCS partners with the conservation districts and why that relationship is so important? Okay, of course, yeah. yeah um, Frank is uh, quite a good guy, so we'll give him a nice little shout out. So the conservation districts, they're one of our, our greatest partners in overall assets. You know, they, they really are a, a true voice from the ground that, that helps guide the direction and implementation of our programs. They do that by really helping determine the various local priorities and needs across the state. So I know they have like their various, their local working group meetings 
typically at least once a year where they're kind of gathering their local feedback. That comes up to us. We also have uh, state technical meetings. I believe they're quarterly right now. Well, that's more bigger picture state level stuff, but the conservation districts play a very active role in that as well. Um, but it, overall, they really give us some good background and justification for how we work and where we focus our efforts across the state. Um, another nice thing is uh, we partner up and share resources pretty regularly with them. Like, for example, right now we have an agreement with uh, AACD or the Arizona Association of Conservation Districts um, mm -hmm. where they're helping us do some outreach um, for the Conservation Stewardship Program. So they're going to be doing some workshops and, and doing some different things. And along with that, um, what's really going to be beneficial for us is they're going to seek out and analyze feedback from some folks on the ground to try and help identify some issues that we've had with implementing that program in the past. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's just another great example of a way where, you know, we kind of leverage some of our resources together to, you know, have an overall um, uh, good project for the benefits both of us. Fantastic. So it sounds like the conservation districts, one, really provide that local voice to the priority issues that are on the ground. And then um, you guys, it seems like a really fluid relationship that you guys have to make sure that um, projects are implemented. So um, thank you for sharing. Um, kind of moving along with the question is, is, how does the Natural Resource Conservation Service ensure that producers are provided the technical assistance they need to implement projects on the ground? Okay. Um, yeah, so the technical uh, um, assistance aspect is, is kind of neat. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier before about the applications and the contracts. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not just going to say, here's a contract, um, go out and design this ditch or this pipeline or anything. Um, we've got the technical experts in-house to um, assist with those, with, with those items. So again, so our technical assistance, it's, Again, it's, it's a voluntary, um, um, or something that we voluntarily provide to help with the installation and to make sure that um, all designs and everything are done adequately and properly. And, and you know, if we design something that to last 20 years, we're going to guarantee that it's going to last for 20 years and, and, and stand behind that. So, like I mentioned earlier, we, we have engineers on staff that they make the various, you know, the structural design to support the contracts. We also have various soil range and, and wildlife gurus that, that help with those types of conservation practices that may up may end up in our in our contracts. And uh, one of the neat things I think uh, with the NRCS is our, our local folks in the field offices, the ones who are really on the ground, they work regularly with our engineers and technical expert, experts to to kind of get approval so that they can do various designs and and planning. So it, so that as much work as possible can be done at the local level without having to send it up to to the engineers or the other experts at our state office. So um, that's really a benefit for everybody all around. Nice. And I'm sure that helps with getting projects on the ground faster. Am I, am I correct in that? It, yeah, it definitely does. So, um, and I know one kind of exciting thing with the new farm bill is we do have some more flexibilities for to hopefully speed some things up some more. But until the rules are final, I don't want to uh, go too much into it other than just saying uh, I, I think we'll have some additional opportunities and flexibilities to speed things up even more moving forward. Great. All right. So moving on to my next question, and uh, you know this is a 
very much a question that's related to the Western states, but how does the Natural Resource Conservation Service coordinate implementation of large-scale landscape-level projects that cross various agencies and ownerships? So, for example, if you're working with um, Bureau of Land Management, Arizona State Land Department, and some private land, how do you guys go about implementing a large project, and, and what do you need from those agencies or those landowners to make that happen? So being in Arizona, we've gotten very good at this, and it, it, it really depends on the situation and depending on, you know, like the size of the project, where it's located, which agencies and departments are involved. But generally speaking, you know, at, at the upper state levels, um, we're in regular communication with the various directors and supervisors and, and staff from those other agencies, just making sure that we're, we're properly handling the bigger picture issues across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of like the actual work and, and planning getting done, that, that's happening at the local level. Um, so our field offices, uh, especially our, our range conservationists, they're in you know regular communication with their with their local counterparts at say Forest Service or BLM or uh, state land, and so they're having a lot of those on the ground discussions with each other, but not just with each other, making sure the landowner is involved and, and making sure that, uh, you know, everybody's happy. One of the things that the, the higher at the state level, I mean, we really try to streamline and align our various policies and requirements as much as possible, but sometimes we just can't meet 100%. So um, we really rely on those, those local meetings and conversations to make sure that everybody's requirements are being met and most importantly making sure that uh, that the farmer and rancher is happy and on board with with, with what ultimately will uh, be done in the conservation plan and on to the contract. Fantastic so lots of open communication and that makes perfect sense because there are a lot of players out here. So let's start moving on is are there any other conservation programs and funding available for producers that we might not have touched on this morning? Yeah, so the uh, Equip Environmental Quality Incentives Program and the CSP, the, the Stewardship Program, those are the two main programs in Arizona. Another one that folks may have been hearing about recently is the uh, RCPP. So that program is not directly with farmers and ranchers. So basically, the, overview, the main concept of RCPP is we at NRCS, we're leveraging our funds and technical expertise with a partner to increase our overall conservation reach by doing like conservation projects together. Um, So so basically how that works is, you know, us in this department or agency or government entity, we're going to say, hey, we're both going to put X amount of dollars toward this project. We're going to focus in on these resource concerns and these conservation practices. And once we come to an agreement on that, then farmers and ranchers, they can apply for those specific funds, very similar to EQIP, except it's just, it's going to be a little more targeted towards um, the work that we can do to that contract. But again, it's like I said, it, it's very, the farmer and rancher, they're going to see it pretty much the same way as EQIP. It's just going to have a different, different name associated with it. Okay. Thanks for that point of clarification. And now as far as projects versus, you know, producers going out on their own versus working with the Natural Resource Conservation Service, what benefits does somebody have by working with your agency versus, say, just trying to implement projects by themselves? Okay. 
So here at NRCS, you know, we live by the motto, helping people help the land. You know, mm-hmm. our, our, secu- our secretary, old, old Sonny Purdue, I mean, he takes the department view a step further, you know, and he says, do right and feed everyone. You know, we realize these aren't always easy things to do, and especially not on your own. Yes, there are some farmers and ranchers out there that can do a dang good job on their own. But as most of us know, you know, especially myself included, you know, we easily can fall into the habit of, you know, dad and uncle do it this way, which is how grandpa also did it, which was a little more refined way of how great grandpa did it, you know. And yes, that, you know, that's likely worked for many years without any real issues. Mm-hmm. But what NRCS, what we bring to the table, you know, that that ability to bring not just an outside view that might be a little different or have a little better result, but we might have a little more conservation benefit as well. And what's also nice is, you know, we can also provide that technical assistance, especially the various designs or management prescriptions, and then have the ability to provide some financial assistance to uh, help offset some of those costs. Like, like one of my favorite things is when I get to get out and, and talk to farmers and ranchers across the state and you'll hear them say, you know, we were in a tough spot. You know, we wanted to make improvements. We wanted to do the right thing. You know, we had this erosion issue or whatever, um, but we just couldn't make it pencil out on paper on our own. So without it, without the NRCS support, um, a lot of these folks wouldn't be able to implement these projects. But in, in doing so, you know, we've not only improved their overall operation, um, but we've also improved, the, you know, the land and the landscape as a whole. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's really just, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody all around. Nice. No, thank you. And that's really what I wanted to touch base on. Now, as far as being a good management decision for producers, this is a sort of an obvious statement. You sort of touched on it in the last question, but why is working with the Natural Resource Conservation Service and implementing programs through you guys a good management um, decision on behalf of businesses? I mean, a lot of these conservation projects, there there are some high costs to it, and, and I mean, we can offset that. But really, to me, it just comes down to helping to do the right thing. You know, if we improve the the conservation on the landscape, it, it's ultimately going to have a, a benefit that transfer over into your farming operation, which will likely in turn also benefit um, the bottom line, where that could be, you know, making ensuring the grass is a little bit better, we have a little more availability, or, or working on some specific issues to the cropland to make the cropland more more beneficial. So, so yeah, so from both the conservation aspect and, and you know, we don't focus as much on the financial side of it, but there is some, some extra benefit to the finances as well for, for going through these programs. Thank you. Now, is there anything that, that we may have missed um, that you'd like the audience to know? No, I think we covered everything pretty good. So I would just kind of say if, if someone doesn't know who NRCS is, I would just say go out, find your local concert or your local field office. You know, even if you just want to stop in, say hi, have a quick conversation. Um, or if they have some bigger thoughts or needs, definitely uh, reach out to our local folks as well. Um, if you really want to sit down and uh, have a in deep conversation, I would recommend you uh, make a phone call to that field office first. Um, Luckily, we get to get out of the office quite a bit, and so we're out in the fields and pastures and out on the range pretty regularly. So, um, yeah, we have some really great people and, and passionate people that work here, and they're always excited to talk about conservation and, and finding new ways to help people help the land. 
Great. So that was sort of my next question is how can people get in contact with you guys? How many offices are around the state? And if somebody were to look you up online, where do they need to go, Jason? All right. So the easiest way is just to go online and search for NRCS Arizona and all the major search platforms where the, the first search result. And then if you go to the contact page, there's a list of our various uh, field offices across the state. And then there, there's phone numbers and emails right there. Um, the other option would be to go to um, farmers.gov. If you scroll about a third of the way down, um, there's a section where you can uh, find your local service center there. Yeah, so in Arizona, we've got about 26 offices across the state right now, I believe. Um, we're, we have the entire state covered pretty well. Um, and, uh, we're always, always uh, evaluating and, and seeing what we can do better, though, as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. I really appreciate your time this morning. And I think the audience will appreciate it as well. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'd like to thank you for, for inviting me onto the podcast. It, it was a great time and I look forward to, to watching it grow.